0: And now, a bit of Romance. Two girls on a quest to find which rom
1: And welcome to P.S. I Love Romcoms, the podcast about crushes who drive us crazy, bouquets of daisies, and bookstore <laughs>
2: employees who are lazy. I'm Allie. And I'm Mia. P.S. I Love Romcoms is a podcast where each week, Allie and I, rom-com lovers, try to answer the question, why haven't they made another rom-com starring Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks? Honestly, why haven't they? <laughs> Oh, and also the question, which rom-com is the best rom-com of all time? Joining us today is a very
1: talented writer, director, producer, and actor. He's directed and produced countless films, including Small Town Christmas, Once I Was a Beehive, and Dudes and Dragons. He's the creator of musical improv TV show, The Show Offs. And guys, he's just an all-around renaissance man. Mm -hmm. And if he was in a rom-com, he'd be a budding producer on a national morning news program who butts heads with his show's stubborn anchor and tries to keep the show (laughs) afloat along with his love life. You guys, (laughs) it's the one and only McLean Nelson!
0: Woo! That was the best intro I've ever had. Ever, ever, oh my ever. Gosh. That was great. That was
2: good. Thank you. Now, McLean, we like to start off each episode with a little segment called Which Rom-Com Hero and Heroine are you channeling this week? Where we equate the experiences we've had this week with a famous Rom-Com Hero or Heroine. Um, I can start us off this week. This week, I'm channeling um, Anne Hathaway's character, Andy, from beloved Rom-Com, The Devil Wears Prada. Um, and Ooh. I am sort of... Yes, and I haven't been channeling her before, but I feel like Andy and I feel like life is sort of Meryl Streep right now, sort of just like giving me a little too much to do. I'm not like I'm tired, I'm stressed, and also with the caveat of like I know things are so hard right now for everybody, so this is absolutely like um like um not this is all like good stress, so I'm not saying that that's like bad and and for everyone who's having a hard time um we're we're with you and um. And it's a tough, it's a tough moment, but for a little uh, escapism into some fun stress, which is what we like about rom-coms, um, I am um, <laughs> having one of those weeks where um, my parents were moving from their our childhood home to a new place and I was going to help them move. My sister is due to give birth. And um and then I picked up some work uh and it's it was like all of these things convalesced in one week and we uh, were like all la- laughing about it and we're like oh my god it's so funny can you believe like everything's happening at once and then actually doing it was so <laughs> so stressful and bad um <laughs> and it was like everything that could go wrong <laughs> could go wrong it was like my parents' oh, moving no. truck broke down oh my gosh no ad- yes we have no idea where certain boxes are um uh, luckily my sister's baby is sleeping in so the baby is late which is honestly helpful um, and also i haven't finished the baby blanket yet um so that's oh, good. you haven't finished your baby blanket yet no but i had to restart it so many times but it's finally on the right track it's beautiful it's we're almost done i have to do one more sort of thing of orange and then more one more stripes and then i'm done but that doesn't that just seem like life though mia where like i'm I'm just circling
1: back here um Please. not crocheting but um just like <laughs> all of like um although i'm sure crocheting's a bit like life um <laughs> uh, but um just the, like nothing seems to be happening and then all at once like every important thing in like your whole year like lands within like two weeks and it's just like
2: uh yes and it is like it is crazy and then for that to be happening also on top of pandemic and on top of the election it's like yeah it's yeah it's just like the most i've ever had happen um at once in my life and obviously it's good stress and i'm very fortunate and it's like it's all sort of fun good things exactly that's how I feel I feel like life is happening to me sure Andy's is a little more specific it's more of like a um, sort of like a very intense boss is happening to her but if you look at Andy as me and Meryl as life and a rom-com is sort of like a safe boundary that only really covers good stress then yeah that's who I'm channeling this week Allie who are you channeling this week this week I think I'm
1: channeling Annie Hall um Ooh. Diane Keaton's character from the movie Annie Hall, Um, just because of like two things. I bought like two sweater vests last (laughs) week, which is a... 200% increase in the amount of sweater vests that I've owned before. They still make sweater vests? Oh, yeah. They're like really like in this season. Um, It's kind of like an 80s, like 70s kind of like throwback year. Um, I feel like in fashion. And so I bought two sweater vests and I think I'm pulling them off. I've already worn them both. Um, And I... I feel really good in them. I feel kind of like, I don't know, like a bohemian like woman who's like um, kind of like boyish and like uh, very Diane Keatney kind of way. Um, and then I also feel like I'm in Annie Hall, the movie, just because like or in like a Woody Allen movie, just because in like a lot of Woody Allen movies, I feel like there are scenes where like characters are talking, but they're like out of frame or like you can't really see them very well. And um, this past week, my whole family kind of got together for like a Halloween weekend where it was like my brother and his family, um, me and my parents all hang out and, um, It was just like a lot of like I don't know if you your guys' families do this, but it was like a lot of like yelling at people who are in other rooms, but like not bothering to take like the like 30 steps it takes to be in the same room um with someone else. So it was just a lot of like You want toast? And it's uh, No, I'm full. Um and so uh just like a lot of um like well, it, but it's like lovely, like that's kind of like a lovely thing. Um, uh, but like a lot of yelling at each other uh, from uh, in different rooms. Um, but yeah, that's me, vests and uh, uh, family yelling. Um, uh, what about you, McLean? Who are you channeling this week?
0: I have. Well, here's the thing. I, is it is it against the rules if I'm channeling someone from the movie we're talking about today? No. <gasps> no. Is that no, not no, okay? No. That's good. 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 I just didn't want to like spoil the the rest, but I'm, I'm really, uh, channeling Kathleen Kelly. I was looking at like Ah! what she's doing and like, she's, you know, she's this, like, she's the artist kind of struggling upstream, you know, against like the, the big corporate, um, you know, big corporate bookstore. I'm the independent filmmaker right now Mm. trying to make the, uh, so Allie and I just give you a little backstory. Allie and I made a movie together called once it was a beehive as she, as she announced uh earlier and that movie has just been the cutest little movie it's kind of like the movie that just keeps getting play and people still love it it's on amazon prime it's on youtube movies it's 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 this cute little movie and so i've been during covid i'm like i want to do something creative i want to try to get something done so we're, we're doing a sequel to it called once i was engaged which follows one of the girls uh getting getting married and uh basically so we're about to shoot this. So I, I drove, I packed up my car. We drove to Utah. We're doing all the crazy little things to kind of keep this little movie alive. And the reason why I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm channeling Kathleen is because she was so eternally optimistic the whole time. Like big big even when the big thing was opening, it's like, no, it's fine. People will want the, people will want the niche. People will, will, will want the, you know, the small town, they'll, they'll, they'll be loyal. They'll be this. And, and no matter what, you know, nothing got her down. So, Right now, with kind of like COVID's COVID rising and and all sorts of different scheduling things coming up, you know, there's so many schedules I'm I'm working, including Allie's. I got to figure out when she's available to come do her reprisal of the role. It's like
1: anytime, I'm free yeah. anytime. And,
0: uh, <laughs> I just I feel like I have to be kind of very super optimistic, and yeah, and I, and uh, it's kind of my nature too. Like Claire, my wife gets. She teases me and my friends tease me because they say I'm like the eternal optimist. Like I'm always like looking on the bright side when some people just want to like complain about something and talk. I'm like, well, we'll think about it this way if we could, you know. Anyway, so that's that's what I related to with her. I just hope I don't, you know, oh get down like she does as, um, you know, as we know what happens in the story.
1: <laughs> yeah. But, no, I think that's so wonderful, McLean, And, like, I, I think even, even when, like, she – Kathleen Kelly faces hardship, she still, like, faces it with, like, optimism and, like, bravery and stuff like that. And I think that's so – Beautiful. I love that. That was an excellent channel. Speaking of Kathleen Kelly... Shall we get into our movie discussion? Yes! Yes. Woo! Okay. Well, this week, we watched the 1998 romantic comedy, You've Got Mail. In this film, a children bookstore owner, Kathleen Kelly, played by Meg Ryan, gets her life turned upside down when across the street, a large book chain store opens up, owned by Joe Fox, played by Tom Hanks. While Joe and Kathleen butt heads in business, little do they know that they've already met online Mm -hmm. and are in an intimate and anonymous Internet friendship, oblivious of each other's true identity. Eventually, Joe learns that the enchanting woman he's involved with online is actually his business rival, Kathleen. Joe must now struggle to reconcile his real life dislike for her with the cyber love he's come to feel.
2: You've Got Mail was directed by Nora Ephron and written by Nora and Delia Ephron. You've Got Mail is based on the 1937 Hungarian play Parfumery by Miklos Laszlo, which was later adapted to a 1940 movie around the shop around the corner starring Jimmy Stewart. So you guys, what are our initial thoughts on this film? And was it any of our first time seeing it?
0: <laughs> I am embarrassed <laughs> to admit that it is the first time I saw it all the way through. What? Um, <gasps> yes, yes. I, I <laughs> I don't know how I missed it in the 90s. I think maybe I was like, I had just broken up with a girl in 98 and I wasn't really like into, to like looking, watching rom-coms. So I didn't see it. Everybody talked about it. It got so hyped. And sometimes, you know, when a movie's that hyped, you just are like, eh, you just, do you guys ever do that? Just not see the one that everyone's talking about?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've never seen Inception.
0: (laughs) See? It just happened. Yeah. No, I mean... (laughs) And, and so I missed it. And actually the reason why I texted you about it, uh, Allie was Mm -hmm. I caught the, I caught like the last third of it on TV pretty recently. Just, you know, when you're doing laundry and you just have the TV on and it was, Mm -hmm. and so I was like, so I'm like this, and then I had so many problems, so many kind of thoughts and so many, I'm like, I had to text you right away. I'm like, we need to talk about this. (laughs) because from what I saw I had some major problems but obviously I needed to watch it give it its fair shake but like yes this was my first time actually kind of you know, see sitting down and seeing it in one sitting.
2: Oh my gosh. And did that change? Wow. Did that change and I because we and I get it. It's like sometimes you have to see movies in their time, or sometimes you have to be um just rom-com lovers like Ali and I are. But did watching it start to finish, did that change anything for you?
0: Yes. It did. <laughs> I um I appreciated it a lot more. I still have, mm-hmm. you know, some of my my beefs and my issues and my, you know problems with it that I that you know I can't wait to dive in with you guys about but but yes overall I was like I get it I get it
2: okay amazing yeah Yeah. okay very very cool
1: um yeah Mia how uh was this your first time seen well obviously not but like how many
2: times have you seen you've got mail so I grew up watching this film I'd probably, I had probably I it's like I have seen this film so many times and in so many different pieces that it's like, I similarly feel like I didn't sit down and watch it start to finish, um, until probably like the last 10 years is when I watched it start to finish. Um, but so my history is just, it's always been there sort of like Santa and Harry Potter, right? It's like, that's, it's sort of, um, I really like this movie. I have like historically always really liked it. Um, this watching, I still really liked it. I still cried. Um, but I just like read this weird thing where Meg Ryan, I read like a quote on IMDb that said like Meg Ryan felt like it wasn't a stretch for her. And, um, after watching Uh. her, yeah, it was interesting. And she said that and she felt like she like, didn't feel like challenged in the role. And I was like, that's interesting. And then I shouldn't have read that before I watched it. Cause then I was watching her and being like, is she just doing her Meg Ryan thing, but it's still really good. Um, yeah, I love it. I love it. I've seen it a bunch. Um, it's not my favorite Nora Ephron film, but it's, Uh, It is still top for me.
1: Allie, what about you? Yeah, I mean, this is probably one of my all-time favorite rom-coms. I mean, I only own five DVDs and one (gasps) of the DVDs is You've Got Mail. Oh my God. I love this movie. And I think I just, I, you know, I, and I really like When Harry Met Sally, like uh, the other Nora Ephron kind of classic that a lot of people think about. But I like this one so much more just because I love Meg Ryan and Hanks together. Their chemistry is just undeniable in this film. They're both, they just, they just shine. They just glitter. And I, I, um, and I think it still holds up today. I feel like watching, watching this movie today, recently this past time, what I took away from it is like, this kind of, like, you know, online relationship that they have um, still exists. Like, I still kind of have similar things with, like, online dating and stuff yes. like that. And, like, meeting people, you know, not on AOL anymore, but <laughs> um, on on Tinder and stuff like that. And people meet their wives and husbands and spouses on these dating apps. And, like, um, it was it was really interesting to see how this movie still holds up and like how parts of it like resonate with me even more now that I'm older and I'm dating online as well. Um, and so, yeah, I love this movie.
2: <laughs> yes. No, I totally see that. It was crazy. It's crazy to watch the parallels from like 90 specifics to 2020 specifics where it's like, we're, you know, we're emailing online and now, it's like no one could have predicted how popular online dating would become. And then also the big box bookstores getting rid of the small bookstores where now it's um, online. It's like Amazon getting rid of big box stores. So it's it was like crazy to be like, Whoa, it's everything's changed, but it's still the same.
0: How funny, like the Starbucks reference too. It was almost like the first time mm-hmm. Starbucks became like mainstream Yes. That and it's like now it's so ubiquitous but then but at that time it was still like a a novelty and it was that start of like just all the small town stuff going away and the the big the big stuff coming in and I like what you said um about me about the um kind of the nostalgia of the start of the internet it, yeah. it, it felt like that you know like this is the love email to the start of the internet like Yes, You know, like back when it was like people were just figuring it out and it was like this thing that was interesting. And it's it's so interesting to look at it through the lens now where it's like you you see the start of the addiction of like going on and like sneak and feeling like you're sneaking and feeling like, you know, even the opening scene where she's like peeking out the window, making sure the guy's gone. So, (laughs) you know, to make to check this email, you know, and like. And now, like, we look at life and it's like, it's such a part of our life and we don't even hide it anymore. Like, those, yeah. you know, what I mean? and it's just like the addiction side of it, you know, and and it was really interesting to see, like, what it was like in kind of the golden years or like, oh, we don't even know what this thing is, but it's it's interesting and we like it.
1: Yeah, I something that I read about that was so interesting was like Meg Ryan didn't own a computer. before shooting this movie she had to get a computer to do like character research um, (laughs) because she didn't own one Um, and uh, (laughs) I mean like and I know that like you know we talk about um, you know how this movie holds up and like and something that like some people have a problem about with this film is like there's like a you know our our you know Kathleen Kelly and you know Joe Fox Che- like, quote unquote, cheating on their boyfriends and girlfriends at mm-hmm. the time uh, was something that I was thinking about this past watching. And it's like, there is definitely kind of like, I don't know if you would call it emotional cheating or just kind of like.
0: Do you know what term I've heard? What term well, have you I heard? heard it called micro cheating.
2: Oh. Micro cheating. Like
0: not, like <laughs> like, not like a full, like, emotional affair, you know, but it's like this. This micro cheat where, and, and kind of the definition I heard, if you would be, if you're in a relationship and you would be nervous for them to see the interaction, like if my mm. wife picks up the phone, cause I have, I have some friends from high school and, and like friends and colleagues that are women that I'll text. But like, I think it, I think the micro cheating is if I would be worried or if I'm like deleting anything that she, that I don't want her to see. So that's
1: actively that, hiding it. I yeah, think exactly. yeah, like. Active, they're actively or, hiding
0: or would be worried if you are worried that they would find out that it would be an issue that's yeah. what i that's what i know of the as a definition of micro cheating
2: that, that makes so much sense because and also i think it's like yeah the development of technology i feel like yeah it can lead to more micro cheating happening because right there's a big like um Citing into your dm culture there's a big connecting with old people like over instagram or facebook um yeah that is so interesting and uh, yeah you definitely like it's uh, yeah what is the difference between sort of like when if someone is sort of like sending you a flirtatious email or text and you and then like you being nice or then when it like sort of like you know that you've stepped outside of like sort of what is probably like an intimacy boundary and then you're like but it's like, you haven't, you're not like cheating. You're not having like emotional affair, but it is that like micro mm-hmm. um, just a little toe over, over the cheat line. And it is
1: interesting. Cause like, this is like this movie kind of tackles this very, at the time, like this very new concept of like, where are the boundaries with like yeah. how we communicate on the internet um, yeah. versus like now, you know, there, there are so many, like you can communicate with people like by in like a flirtatious way by like sliding into DMS or like watching their story or liking their photos and like, um, you know, the, the boundaries of like emotional cheating and micro cheating, um, or just like, I don't know, honestly, just wanting to be someone's friend or being interested in somebody is like, it, it gets a little gray. Um, yeah. but I thought that was like, uh, interesting and complex part of this movie and like a kind of complex thing that it takes on I meant the dynamic of like relationships and technology
2: and I think like one of the ways Nora Ephron handles it because I'm I'm like always on whenever I watch this I'm always on the side of Kathleen Kelly and Joe Fox getting together is I think yeah. she makes their partners like um like pretty pretty unlikable <laughs> Um. And you don't she, like but, Greg Kinnear you know, and all of his typewriters? <laughs> I like all of his typewriters. I don't have an issue with that. I don't I and I don't dislike him. He's like I love Greg Kinnear in general. I always when when he was like flirting with the the news anchor. I remember when I was younger and I watched The I'd always get like really mad. <laughs> <laughs> Even though she's having like an internet affair, I would always yeah. be like when he's like, oh, we should turn it off now. I always am like, oh my God.
0: The brilliance of me, like what Nora Ephron did with, with those two side characters <laughs> is I, like, I even, I made a little note, like when I first talked to Greg Kinnear, I mean, when I first saw him, not talk to him, but my first impression <laughs> of him was like, this guy's amazing. He's perfect. He's so supportive. That first scene of her, it's like, I was like a little bit mad at her because I'm like, yeah. why would you ever... It, why would you ever throw this away? Like this guy loves you. He supports you. He's, he's uh, intellectual, like for some, some guy that's like a big corporate buffoon, you know? And, and and on the other hand, the second you meet, um, Parker Posey's character, you're like, okay, (laughs) we don't like her. We don't want (laughs) him to be with her, but she does this amazing kind of weaving. And they, in, in my eyes, like, I mean, Parker was always Parker, but you start to understand her and love her a little bit more by the end. You don't just hate her because yeah. you realize just who she is. She's just a, a kind of cutthroat businesswoman that's just, you know, especially when she's like going to give the job to, that kind of shows her heart when she's going to give the job to Kathleen. <gasps> yeah, to yeah. Like, that wasn't
2: so, I save the cat for her.
0: Yeah, they like kind of switch places in my my esteem of them. Like Greg Kinnear, I, I, I just kept losing respect because of how, much he needed how needy he was for like attention and like validation and and validation whereas with parker posey i'm like oh i just get her she's not right for for joe but like Mm -hmm. i liked her more and she became more redeeming for me so that i thought that was genius the way she the writer you know weave that in yeah. yeah
2: by the end you are i am like oh i know that girl like who's just like shamelessly themselves and yeah they're not like the most sort of like emotionally like thoughtful person in the world but it's like um yeah you like love people who uh you know think they're helping and like celebrate she's like you know she celebrates her flaws in the movie and she's like it's so unfeeling and you keep forgetting you've done something bad and she's like who does that remind me of? Me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's, like, Um, And I love that scene in the elevator. I always forget about the scene. Incredible. That side
0: character guy is, if you guys are fans of um, Oh Brother, We're Out Thou, he's the guy who plays (laughs)
2: George Nelson. Baby face
1: Nelson. Nelson.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And actually, there's a lot of little side characters that I noticed that are like big actors now. Like, you know, when she's at the bookstore and she's sitting there crying at Fox Bookstores and asking about the shoe series. Yes, the, the helper, he's the guy from the Mindy Project.
2: He's Chris <laughs> Yeah, He's so he's young. So young. I'm like, there's his
0: sad card. Yeah. You got a sad card on that one.
2: Yeah. Also, this is crazy. I thought about this the last time I watched it and then I completely forgot about it. And this time I was like, no, that's her. And it's when she's in the cash only yeah. line and Joe Fox comes and is for her. That cashier is um, Dr. From Callie Anatomy. Yeah. from Grey's Anatomy.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: It's crazy. It's
0: like also great like crazy.
1: speaking
2: of, I mean,
1: side characters. Dave Chappelle is like in this Nora Ephron oh movie, God. and like as someone who's like nominated he's he to be nominated so he was so good. good in this and like it's so funny because he's like such an incredible edgy comedian and to see like this very edgy comedian in this like super super like you know rom like rom-com is like so like he does an incredible job but it's just like so fun and like surprising oh and like I I don't know. I like, I sometimes forget it's, I mean, this is cause he's a good actor. I'm like, I forget it's Dave Chappelle. Um, and it's just, uh, it's so great.
2: Totally. Yeah. Yeah because it has to be so in yeah. for the rom-com world uh and we're so used to seeing him in sketches that like yeah that that scene with him when mm-hmm. joe fox is gonna go meet kathleen kelly um or, or they're gonna meet at the coffee shop and they don't know it's each other and he does like the <laughs> slow burn of, of yeah. telling joe who's there with the rose and he's like looks like kathleen kelly you like how <laughs> kathleen <laughs> kelly looks and then and then uh, <laughs> and then he was just does this thing where it's like well if you don't like kathleen kelly you're definitely not gonna like her because it is <laughs> kathleen kelly it was such a such an amazing scene it was so funny uh and it, it takes a it's like, also, it's like they don't have to have that scene that scene is so, it's so long funny i love it he's he's phenomenal yeah well yeah this 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 movie has just banger side character casting
0: you know, Steve Zahn. It was so good. Um, I don't know the name of the other girl at the bookstore, the younger girl, but she oh. she's like like queen of like '90s rom coms, like side character. Such a good boy. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was just so really so impressed with the writing and the directing. Like Nora Ephron's comedy just hits, and it like you're right. It, it, that's that. Those are the things that she knows how to write jokes that don't yeah. age.
1: I wrote down some of my favorite jokes just because they were so. I was like, uh, it's, it's like when you like read a really good quote and you're like, this is genius. Um, I wrote down some jokes I liked. There was one where yeah. Tom Hanks talks about his girlfriend, Patricia, and he's like, I love Patricia. Patricia makes coffee nervous. <laughs> 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 and, and there's the one where like Tom Hanks is sitting on the couch and he's like, the fabric on this couch, does it have a name? And then his dad is like, money. Its name is money. Uh, then there's just like this one really like silly kind of like even like stupid joke where it's like we're in the fox books bookstore and it's like so silly and like you don't I, i haven't even caught this joke until this past time but there's a guy who's like sitting at the bookstore and he opens up his backpack and he like takes out a book he takes out a sandwich and then the third thing (laughs) he takes out are salt and pepper shakers it's just so funny Uh,
0: speaking of funny moments that just are kind of like throwaway and it's over like when after she gets stood up um and they're talking about all the different ways he cut hold up and wasn't able all the noble ways and then george (laughs) over the the new york post that says like the the rooftop killer arrested they're like they're they're sure that he's the rooftop killer and that's why he got taken away like oh well that was it and then and then then she's like no that couldn't be it she's like well you thought frank was the unabomber she's like that was a different story and then they just moved on it's like so much history in just that line about their friendship and their, their yeah. conversations that they have when it's just them riffing.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I love that when they're all just like, oh no, that's it. That's why he couldn't come. He was in prison and he had a phone call, but he couldn't call you. It's, oh.
0: In a day and age where we're very sensitive to being either, I, was, I mean, catfishing, that's is, that is true, but also to being gaslit. I feel like he starts gaslighting her once he knows once he and this is this is where he makes mistake. He, he he stands her up that if that's not bad enough he comes back in and he kind of makes fun of her for this guy not showing up which is him <laughs> making her feel more crazy and more bad about herself but and propping himself up which is like such a messed up thing to do I'm like okay I can forgive him he's he's trying to figure out he's never had a good relationship his both of his dad and his have shown him very poor relationships as examples, so mm-hmm. he's kind of following that. But when he's in that elevator and he knows from George Nelson that, like, he's got to go tell the person he loves, he still, after that moment when he, he comes, he has the flowers, he could have done it there, he still chooses to gaslight her, not once, not twice, but at least three times that we see <laughs> Three more times he meets <laughs> up with her pretending he's not the guy. I don't think that that's the part for me where I'm like, okay, there was no comeuppance for that. There was no, like, it was just like, oh, shucks. Oh, I forgive him. Cause I loved you the whole time.
1: Here's my interpretation of it. Why? Uh, and this is, again, I would say <clears throat> an interpretation. Um, But so yeah, around like an hour and 30 into the movie, <laughs> like Kathleen Kelly and Joe are like, Go into this coffee shop to like meet each other, um, thinking like they're each other's secret pen pals, and then you know, he finds out, um, you know, he comes mm-hmm. second and he sees that it's you know, Kathleen Kelly, and so it, I think at this point, like, he is mean to her in that coffee shop, and she's also mean to him, like, she says a lot of mean things to him back, um. But that's because um, they're not, you know, I think he's really upset. Like, I think like this is like a woman who he's loved. And it's like, unfortunately, like this woman that he like doesn't kind of really get along with super well in real life. And so like that's kind of why he's he's like rude to her there. But then the scene we see after that where they're they're emailing each other again. She apologizes, even if she doesn't realize it. She says she feels bad for Mm -hmm. saying those mean things to him. And then he also like apologizes to her in a way for not showing up. And so like there is this kind of like forgiveness there. And then Mm -hmm. my and here's where my interpretation is like maybe a little bit lenient. Then they like he kind of emails her. They're like emailing kind of for Mm -hmm. the next 30 minutes of the movie. Peter's off a little bit as like they both kind of break up with their respective yeah. partners and then he yeah. after the scene in the elevator mm-hmm. he goes to her apartment and he brings her daisies and there's a moment where like he kind of hints at who he is where he's like she's like i love daisies daisies are my favorite and he goes i know and then there's one more moment where he sits on her bed and she's sick in bed mm. and she's about to say something mean to him again. And he puts his Tom Hanks hand up to her mouth and is
2: like, Which my COVID energy mm. was absolutely recoiled. <laughs> I was like, Don't touch somebody, <laughs> <laughs> continue, continue. no. no,
1: no. <laughs> and he's like, Don't say something that you're going to beat yourself up about later, which mm. is kind of a hinting at a previous conversation that they had over email. And there's this, you see this in her eyes. And this is again, my interpretation, but this recognition, I think in that moment when he reveals that she knows it's him like in, or she at least highly suspects it. And so that's Mm -hmm. why like the weird kind of like, gaslighting like it is like a little bit uh sketchy but i i'm not as bothered by it as much because i believe that he in that moment he reveals who he is and she understands that it's him because i see that kind of flash in meg
2: ryan's eyes (laughs) yeah i think i come down a little bit in the middle which is that i'm of two minds which is my first mind is that as someone who grew up loving rom-coms and then someone who became an adult <laughs> like in <laughs> like what is now 2020, it's like I do think if you look back at rom-coms from the 90s, like all the way through probably maybe like 2012, 2013, 2014, maybe, maybe 2010 is the cutoff. Um, you will find that the conceits are insane. So <laughs> when I think about this, I think about Sleepless in Seattle. I think about house guest with Goldie Hawn and Steve Martin. I think about While You Were Sleeping. I think about these films where the conceits are cuckoo bananas um, and make everybody look insane. And um, where the threshold for what is an acceptable man is so, so low and just gets lower and lower the farther back in time you go. Um, Yeah, and it's it's difficult for me as someone who loves rom-coms and loves the rom-coms I grew up with to then be an adult who goes back and goes okay well this is this is clearly unacceptable but (laughs) uh, but there's something about the core message here that still resonates with me and still gives me the warm bubbly feeling of watching a rom-com and so while i totally agree that um that uh joe fox gaslights kathleen kelly and that um the power dynamic i am i'm a little uncomfortable with just the amount of puppeteering he gets to do um in the back half of the relationship and her lack of agency of like my mother's store is gone like i I don't like i don't know like it's it reminds me a little bit of her character from the rom-com iq where her uncle albert einstein is um pulling all the (laughs) strings and her relationship so i fully get that and adult mia is like oh no you know like no 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 but <laughs> mm-hmm. um, rom-com lover and young Mia, but also sort of, you know, emotional Mia is like, um, yeah, at the core, I agree that my viewing of it is always that consciously or unconsciously, she starts to know it's him early on. And that if mm. she's not fully aware of it, I think it's that thing that happens when you're friends with somebody and you know, it's like slipping into flirtation, but you're consciously like, not uh, like you're choosing sort of to not be aware of it yet. So I do feel like that's what's happening. And I do feel like at the Mm -hmm. core, it is this man who's been raised with toxic masculinity and like corporate greed Mm -hmm. who does meet someone who makes him feel seen at his core and having to break through all those barriers Mm -hmm. to find actual love. And the moment that always gets me on his side by the end is Mm -hmm. when he's talking about (laughs) how he wants her to forgive him. And he goes, oh, how I wish you would. And it's so vulnerable, and the look oh. he gives is so vulnerable, and I think he has like tears in his eyes. And so it's like, yes. By the end, I, I, by the end, I have to say, I, it's, I know it's bad objectively. But by the end, I do not care at all, and I do want them to be together, um, in the place in the park they are. And I, yeah, yeah and I do feel like she reveals her more sort of sort adult and control self when she's like, I, I, what, what is, I was. Want. I was hoping it was you. I was wishing it was you. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So by the end, they have me. But that's how I am with a lot of rom coms, especially from the past. Is that um, I have to let go of a few things <laughs> and really just focus on the core of it.
0: And don't get me wrong, uh, I like I said, like after watching watching that half, I can't judge it by that. It was enough to want, make me need to see the whole thing, obviously. But after watching it, then I, I get the overall like. Genius of the movie, and overall, I would be happy to watch it again. Mm-hmm. I'll probably always cringe when he doesn't just reveal it to her <laughs> on the porch, like before the final meeting.
2: Yeah, did you guys cry at all? Uh, yes, <laughs> I, I cried. When, <laughs> when did you I cry? Cried, I
1: cried when her ghost mom was twirling her Same. in the empty bookstore, and Same. I cried. I cried when Tom Hanks had that speech, which is like. He's like, you know, if you weren't like Kathleen Kelly and I, you know, wasn't Joe Fox or whatever, I'd ask you to have some coffee or drinks or dinner or movies. As for long as, as, long long both
0: as we shall both
1: live. shall live. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: my God.
1: Oh, my God. It hurts.
0: It hurts. Oh,
1: that's so oh. beautiful.
0: Oh, my that God. Oh, so bad. God. one thing that made me that that won me over for him even though he was like hardcore gaslighting (laughs) is just that little that little um sentence he says when he's when he has the daisies in in her apartment and he says George told me you were feeling sick which means he hired George to work at Fox Books because obviously he had no job and he was so good at his job Mm -hmm. it's at least he was trying and, you know, trying to like absorb the loss as best as he could and still like connecting with her in that way, which was another piece of like the, okay, this guy, even though he is broken, um, he's, he's putting himself back together and he's getting on a path to be in a good relationship.
2: Yeah. 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 Yeah, I also picked up on that. I will say I did not catch it the first time I watched it because I was so young that I was still for years trying to work out how the children were his aunt and brother. Like that's what really threw me (laughs) for years. I was like, I never get it. I maybe just got it for the first time this viewing. It's hard for my brain, but I know it does make sense. Like I am like, okay, there's a 17 and he has an uncle who's younger than... I still don't know. I still is hard for me. I almost get it. I I'm really close <laughs> to getting it now, and I, it's still so hard for me. I don't know what There's certain concepts that are difficult for me to understand, but I kind of.
0: I'll, I'll you a diagram that. I kind help. of
2: get it. Yes, I kind of get it. I'm yeah. almost there, and um, so no, so I did not. I was too focused on that to focus on the George part when I was younger. But yes, this time I did catch that, and it does bring up this this thing where it's like joe fox is trying to change right he does see right because in the beginning we have that great little moment where he takes all the caviar the caviar is a garnish it's meant for everybody and he just goes in and takes it all and he is this like heartless businessman who maybe doesn't like to respect women or love and then by the end we see it's like he is like oh my actions have Mm -hmm. impacts on people that i care about so then by the end when he does hire it is like sort of this like throwaway line, but we do get that George is um he hired George to work at the store and George is positively impacting the store. And we are seeing this change mm-hmm. in him. And it does sort of bring us this idea that like, um, are people worthy of forgiveness when they change, right? When they learn new information and they become more vulnerable. Um, and in this movie, I have to say, yes, because by the time we get to <laughs> Oh, How I Wish You Would, I am putty in Tom Hanks' little soft man. <laughs>
1: uh, oh, yes. Uh-huh. Um, well, we have talked about the, the, the sticky situations in this rom-com and the fun situations. and uh, But shall we dive into the many, many tropes that this rom-com has? <sighs>
2: Yeah. So I'll kick us off. So I have got, um, good on paper guy. I don't know who was good on paper guy. Was that Greg Kinnear? Kinnear, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was like, I don't remember writing that down now. Um, New York. Oh my God. This is the most egregious. New York is the most magical place uh, in the world we've ever (laughs) ever seen. The amount of times New York in the fall is said the phrase New York in the fall, New York in the fall, New York in the spring. Um, everybody loves New York in this and as do we, um, I had Parker Posey as the one-dimensional egg, but you're right, by the end, we do like her more. But I'll mm-hmm. say definitely In the beginning She's definitely like Businesswoman shouting numbers mm-hmm. And no emotions um, <laughs> And then oh, um, Okay I've got two to enter So I'm going to come back to this As one I'm going to pitch I've got um, Dave Chappelle As the black best friend Oftentimes in rom-com Especially going in the past We see movies centered on whiteness Where they have a minority best friend So this movie is guilty of that The couple is also on that note Straight and white um, As like most of the cast So that obviously is our trends we don't like Going backwards And that is changing now Which is good Um, friends co-workers obsessed with love life she talks with her friends and co-workers so much about her love life and as does uh, as do joe fox and dave Chappelle's character Um, we have referencing another rom-com with pride and prejudice we talk about it all the time i love that we've got the meet you in the store it's very romantic as in any good rom-com you know, you're going to see Christmas at some point. So it was <laughs> Christmas. Um, men talking about their feelings over sports. Um, I this, Tell me if this counts, but they're on treadmills. Um, him and Dave Chappelle are t- on treadmills talking about their feelings that counts yeah (laughs) yes this is another one to pitch i'll come back to it um we've got the leads that work in print media they both work in books she's got too big of an apartment i mean she probably inherited (sighs) it from her mom but that's too big it's a big ass apartment that's Uh, such
1: a huge apartment
2: it's too large um and then we've got um stalking is sexy um because he's yeah i don't yeah i don't know he's kind of like following her around and like not hearing no whatever and then i've got two to pitch which is the one is men live on boats um we see this yes. in sleepless in seattle we see this in this movie we see it in um what's that failure one to launch failure to launch and what's the one where is it, he's just not that into you where ben affleck goes he's just not boat? that into you. Yeah, ben affleck yeah, yeah. goes
1: lives on a boat yeah. yeah
2: so men live on boats especially when they're their dog house <laughs> yeah so we're keeping that and then i have what do you guys think about this crossing pa- <laughs> crossing pads yeah. where we're always just right on top of each other but we never meet i have that Um, written
1: down i wrote like just uh, serendipity we're always just missing each other great
2: perfect transition into your tropes al because that's great so we're counting Um, that
1: i i said that there was narration with the emails like it's kind of a looser interpretation of it but like i don't know would we say that it
0: definitely counts as narration in my opinion because they they (laughs) do so much over like not just typing like over them walking around and
1: and then I have the sad cleanup montage where after <laughs> a breakup, you do a sad montage of cleaning up. But in this case, she's cleaning up her store um, and it's like a cleaning up the cleaning up slash breakup montage. Um, mm-hmm. And then I also have another one of my favorite, Cleaning tropes, which is the quick cleanup. Like, quick, a guy's <gasps> coming over. Let me clean up my messy apartment where she's yes. sick, and she's like stuffing Kleenex in her pockets. Um Absolutely. I have the dead parent trope where mm-hmm. Kathleen has a dead mom. Um adds more dimension to her character. Yes. I have the meet cute of her reading books to the mm-hmm. kids, and he's like, Oh, look how sweet this woman is reading, you know, books to children. Um, and yeah. then I have. Mm, am I gonna pitch this? I don't know if it's a. <laughs> it always seems like people in rom coms like hate each other and then they like love each other or like. Oh yeah. Uh, what what would we call this? Like love hate relationships. That's not really a trope. It's just like.
2: But it it is hmm. it's it is constantly like the oh we 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 hate each other so much and that's because we love each other. I do think that's a trope. It's in like almost it's like in like I feel like half of all rom coms. I think, like, yeah. your worst enemy. Yeah, like
0: frenemies, like frenemies that fall mm-hmm. in love.
2: Yeah. 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 I agree. Frenemies that fall in love.
0: I have one that's like reverse serendipity <laughs> or, or the opposite of that, where it's just like too coincidental. Like, oh my gosh, we're mm-hmm. checking out at the same grocery store at the exact same time when I run out yeah. of money. And you happen we're at the to same here. party. Like, they're literally at the same po- in New York City, like, you know, like, just so many coincidental meetups. Mm-hmm. That is such a trope. Um,
2: yeah, yeah. I have a friend that like, does this in her writing
0: it. so much that we call this a uh, blankism Like, I'm not going <laughs> to name, but like, <laughs> like oh. we, we call it uh, her name. You know what I mean? Pulling up a yeah. blank. Um, and oh, then yeah. one kind of is like an old Shakespearean trope for rom-coms is the servant giving like the the big advice that like, changes the the um, protagonist, you know, mind. And like, that's kind of where our guy, our bellman, George Nelson, when he, that's not his real name, obviously, but like <laughs> gives kind of like the advice to that, that changes uh, Joe's outlook. So maybe that's a stretch. Yeah. But, um, it's it's uh, not that he was a big character throughout, like Shakespearean servants were, but it is kind of like to get the wise sage advice from like, somebody that's not a main character is is definitely a trope
2: no that's true it's kind of like the girl go get your man trope yeah where it's like yeah there's mm-hmm. usually yeah there's it's like fair. a small character that's like yeah. instigating yeah the yeah. the change but you guys that takes us to 25 tropes which is what we expect for iconic rom-coms which is a lot of tropes Now that we count up the tropes, it is time to rate this rom-com. We here at PSA Love Rom-Coms have an ever-changing list of top five rom-coms. The list started off with the top five highest grossing rom-coms, but over the last couple of months, as we've watched more and more films, we have voted in and voted off many a rom-com. And as of now, our top five rom-coms are The Best Man, When Harry Met Sally, Love and Basketball, Dirty Dancing, and My Big Fat Greek Wedding. So, now, if we so choose today, we can put You've Got Mail on that list. But we all have to unanimously agree to vote off one of those other top five to replace it with. So, what do we think? Does You've Got Mail deserve a spot on the top five list? And if so, who should knock it off?
0: All be fair? Because I have not seen Love and Basketball. So, I don't, okay. like, I'm really voting against four. I, I move that, like, this is a superior movie to My Big Fat Greek Wedding.
2: Okay. All right. Very interesting. I'm struggling
1: because I love this movie and, but I also want our list of top five rom-coms to be well curated with a plethora of, you know, rom-coms that are structured in unique ways. Um, and also are bringing new things to the genre. I definitely want like a Nora Ephron rom-com up there on the top five list. So for me, it's like, do I think you've got mail is a better, Rom-com than when Harry met Sally, and it's it's interesting because when we were talking about when Harry met Sally, uh, you know, our our biggest qualm with that film was that the character Harry was again a little bit problematic. Um, he, he negged uh, uh, Sally Albright's character a lot in the film and uh you know and uh, we talk about how Nora Ephron has had struggles with like kind of you know not so great male partners in the past and how like maybe that sometimes affects her writing and stuff like that in the in the male characters that she creates and so like I that's my qualm with When Harry Met Sally but I think that that deserves a spot more than you've got mail even though i love it just because it it encapsulates i think a bigger a bigger kind of obstacle that keeps a lot of people apart which is like i don't want to lose this friendship versus the you know i think the obstacle in you've got mail is uh, it's a little bit more complicated and a little bit more of like contrived of a of a plot and so it's um I don't think it's like s- saying as much about um, love as maybe um, when Harry met Sally. Um, so my, I, I would, I would say you've got mail will be going on a special alley top five list, but I don't know mm-hmm. if I would put it on the top five, top five best list.
2: I am of the same mind as alley, which is that um looking at this list. Right. I do. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, it is the top five, right? So it's like, we want it to be, um, sort of like a nice variety of different types of rom-com that make the genre. And so, yeah, I agree in that. We we definitely need a Nora Ephron vehicle. We need a Meg Ryan vehicle. And here we have before us two Nora Ephron Meg Ryan vehicles. And I will agree. And I say that I I do feel that Harry Met Sally um, is better like representative for those two women for the genre in that. I think when I went back to the beginning and I said something about a little bit about Meg Ryan's performance is that I do think Sal, the character Sally Albright, I do think she completely disappears into Sally Albright. And it is like, just like a strong, um, just it's like a very strong character that I get on board with a lot. Where in you've, yeah. you've Got male, I still love the character of Kathleen Kelly, but I feel a little bit that it's more of like um, a, a Meg Ryan-y moment, you know, where it's like a little bit of, uh, I do feel like it's less of a choice than the character of Sally Albright. So in that, I, I like it better for a Meg Ryan vehicle. I like when Harry met Sally better as a Nora Ephron vehicle, um, just because of just I think I think the movie is like almost perfect, um, and I can watch it any time of year, multiple times of years. <laughs> I can start it at any point. Um, so yeah, that's that's yeah. I, I would agree that th- I think the move is to is to leave it off, but definitely put it on Allie's top five. But I would also like to put it maybe on like a top five of like the 90s or most iconic rom coms or something like that. I think it's decided. I think it's pretty unanimous <laughs> yeah. at the top. Five
1: states as Eight. is while we also, but we, you know, recognize and respect You've Got Mail and as an exemplary example of the genre. Um, so now I think it's time for a little reality check. Uh, in this segment, we test out the tropes and plot devices and rom-coms we've just watched and see if they hold up in the real world. Um, so this week, we wanted to take a little bit uh, of a closer look at the rom-com plot device of the love-hate relationship. So, have any of us ever started off hating slash disliking someone only then to get to know them better and then fall in love and then kind of just like another sidebar um and this is like have any of us ever been like catfished where we've like messaged somebody and then we've like um you know like met them in real life, and they're like not like that at all <laughs> both of those both of those reality checks.
0: I love this question. As far as the cat, the catfish thing, I have luckily, I missed the the online dating age. Like I got, Mm. I got, I met my wife in 2008. And I know that was something stuff. Some stuff was happening. It was, but it was pre Tinder. It was pre all that stuff. And, but it was still majority of people just, you just met people where you met them. It wasn't like the norm to meet someone on uh, an app. So, I never I I had a billion blind dates that were just horrible. And people literally their criteria for me was is McLean's a heterosexual man, so all he needs is a woman within a ten year age range, you know, like five years below and ten above. Like like literally like as long as it was a female, that was their criteria. A female that was single. So yes, I've had some bad blind dates, but never like a bad, like Catfish situation, but <laughs> as far as your other question, yes, I have <sighs> I dated a girl in college that we were all we were in all the same classes and for the first like year of knowing her, I was like, this girl is annoying, she's so dramatic <laughs> she's such a typical like drama theater girl that um that i was just like you know what like why why does she have to be so dramatic about everything like life isn't that hard or you know what i mean it just it was just you do scenes together and it was just like everything was a a thing and then we had the next we were in the same uh, acting track so the next semester we kind of you know had classes together and then we would just like it just but pretty soon it turned into banter and to friendship and so we were kind of like frenemies, but then just real friends. And then we were both dating someone, and it was kind of like the same thing that happened in this, um, where I broke up with a girl within 24 hours of when she broke up with her boyfriend, and then we were like instantly like, okay, we're in love because we've known <laughs> each other between like the good and the bad. We've been friends for whatever for like uh, for like two years, and now we just were like totally into each other, totally in love, totally attracted to each other out of nowhere. And like, we got engaged, you guys, I was 23 years old and, (gasps) and got engaged. And it was like, we, it was, you know, it was gonna, It was the real deal. Like I I felt it was fully real, but like a couple months into it, she got a, her ex-boyfriend kind of came back in the picture. And (gasps) she started kind of micro cheating on me to use the term. Oh my God. And decided you know I don't know who I love I, I love you both and then I had to like say, hey well I can't be engaged to someone who is in love with two people so yeah I, I, I broke up with her so anyhow yes that was my re- that's that was my reality check um wow I did have a few kind of flashbacks with this and and it was you know it was it was brutal for me it was the hardest relationship I've ever had you know um, oh I couldn't really date anyone seriously for like five years cause I just was like so jaded. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, anyway. But, um, yeah.
2: If you get, if you get like burned in that way, that's like, Oh my God. It's like, okay. See ya humanity. No, thank you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But that's given me a lot of depth though. I think with like writing and with, you know what I mean? Like the, that pain going through that pain, like, I don't know. I think it, you know, you you turn your pain into art, right? So, yeah. you know, it it's given me I, I don't I don't regret the experience and I don't regret actually asking her to marry me because like I felt like it was right at the time and I you, yeah. you can only do what you think is right and uh anyway. So, oh, yeah. Uh,
1: well, I mean, like that's what this movie is all about is like you know, life changes and sometimes it changes really really quickly and you know, all we can do is, is try to, you know, keep up with it. And, you know, things change really quickly. Like, I mean, even with the technology and stuff like, mm-hmm. you know, independent stores got bought out by big business stores and Kathleen Kelly lost her store, but, you know, she, she just kept changing and did, you know, what's right in the moment. So yeah. I think my little tangent is just to say, I think that, you know, reality checks out for McLean. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> Mia, have you ever had anything kind of, um, have you ever been catfished or had a love-hate relationship?
2: Like no and no. I've never had that with a romantic relationship, but I have had people that I started out sort of disliking and thinking that like, we don't have the same morals. And then I am proven wrong. And I think either the person changes or it turns out that my first impression actually was incorrect, which I do like. Because I think in one way it could make you doubt your like instincts or your read on people but i also do think it's just a nice to like be like oh my god i don't know everything right sometimes yeah. like maybe i project stuff on people or like uh, i just i had it wrong and i got to know this person and it turns out they were actually like really lovely so i will say like that happens but it's never i've never i'm, I'm not really adversaries with like anybody <laughs> so yeah so that I, i've had that happen before and it's right it is kind of nice to be like oh cool right we don't know everything about everyone ali what about you
1: yeah in terms of like hating or disliking someone then only to get to know them better I mean like I've never I mean I've definitely experienced like judging people harshly and then later in life finding myself in like (laughs) situations where I'm either like doing what I judge them for or realizing that like oh that was you know really like unfair of me um but um in terms of like online dating and catfishing. I've catfished so many people. No, um, but,
0: uh,
1: <laughs> but um, there is like this weird thing that happens that they don't bring up in um, You've Got Mail, just because I think maybe uh, online dating was a little, very new. But something that happens to me a lot is like, I'll get in these like really long, like I'll match with somebody on an app and I'll get in like for days, maybe sometimes weeks, I'll be like messaging with a person and like we'll tell each other all these secrets and like we'll bear our souls. And then for some reason, sometimes it's on my end, sometimes it's on other people's ends. We like, I'll get busy and I'll just stop messaging a person and then I'll forget about them completely. And it's like this weird kind of like false. It's so horrible. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, we're ghosting people, but it's like, I think we sometimes create this like, false sense of intimacy with these like dating apps where it's like oh like there's really like no consequences like i feel really safe like you're a stranger and like because it's all online it's like not really real and it's still sort of a fantasy um which is why if i ever meet somebody on an app that i'm no that i want to be serious with like i'll just force myself to meet them within three days because otherwise it's just, it's weird. It's like a weird dating online. Isn't uh real as it is as, you know, talking to someone and meeting somebody in person, just because I have had that experience where I text someone and it's really awesome. And then I meet them in person. I'm like, you are a different person. You are yeah. much kinder when you text and in person, you're kind of like mean or, um, mm.
2: And quiet, and creep, or, that Like it always creeps me out when people are different. I'm the same, and that's why I use lots of exclamation points.
0: Guys, <laughs> <laughs> okay, can I can I add one disclaimer about my story earlier? Yeah. Yes. Just in case, like, I don't know if this person or anyone who knows the person that I was engaged to will ever hear this story. But I do want to say that even though I went through that whole horrible thing, I I said I didn't really regret the choice and all that. But Mm -hmm. oddly enough, because she was, sometimes you end up like hating your ex or like, especially when your heart's broken that bad. Mm -hmm. I Because she was honest about when she started feeling these feelings for the other guy, I like as heartbroken as I was, I never had those feelings of like disdain and you know what I mean? I always kept like yeah. a, a respect for her. And to this day, if I saw, I haven't seen her since, you know, well, wow. I mean, I I haven't seen her in probably, I've seen her since we broke up, but I haven't seen her in probably 12, 13 years. But wow. if I saw her on the street, I would be totally able to give her a hug and just be like, Hey, and, and like hopefully wish her life super well. And, you know, You know, but because, you know, and I think it was because of like, she did always maintain honesty. And I think that was part of, because we were friends first.
2: Yeah. No, I think that's true in relationships too, where it's like, you are so close that it's just being direct about what's happening yeah and i think that that is what's like the problem with like when people really hate each other it's like the the level of betrayal when it's like you were the closest person to me and then you deceived me like i can't imagine getting over that so no that makes perfect sense to me well well, i think um i mean i feel like our reality checks kind of checked out this
1: this week um yeah so check that uh reality backs um <laughs> well <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today mclean you hey guys
0: i had so much fun thank oh you this was, was like double, this was like double duty for me because I, I i'm prepping we start shooting once i was engaged in like three two weeks two and a half oh weeks god. oh my god and i'm <gasps> prepping for a rom-com like right, it was like twofold i had so much fun doing it and it was like you know also really helpful for like, you know, research and all that stuff. So thank you guys. For oh my God. Oh, that's perfect.
2: oh my God. I'm so excited. You guys are going to do a rom-com. Yes. Uh, engagement oh. comp.
0: Uh, I'm excited.
1: McLean, do you have any social media things to promote yeah, or important romance advice for our listeners?
0: Yes. If you guys will, I'd love to, I'd love to get a follow on at McLean Nelson. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my Instagram handle, and my, the way to spell my name is M A C L A I N N E L S O N. And on yeah, there, I have links to kind of like you know, if you if you Google my name, you can see like a lot of the movies and comedies that I've done. So, I'd love to check that out, but especially I'd love if you checked out the Show Offs improv comedy show. I met Ali doing improv, and it's uh, my yeah. true love. Like, it's my favorite kind of art form of performance. And we created a fully improvised show called Show Offs, and you can watch it for free on byutv.org, or there's an app called the BYU TV app. You can literally stream everything on there for free. We had like guest stars like Will Forte in it and Leah Thompson and Joey Fatone. I mean, like we had a couple of the guys from Impractical Jokers. Anyway, it's, it's like a fully improvised player musical genre picked by the audience. And, um, with the celebrity guests and there's like 33 episodes right now that you can just stream for free and they're half hour long and they're super fun. And anyway, so I would love it if you checked out, people checked out show offs and as far as love, love advice, I mean, you got to find just your best friend. It just Mm. doesn't work unless they're your absolute best friend. In my opinion, I mean, you got to treat them Great, but like, I realized during this pandemic, and when I'm hanging out with my wife every day, all day, every day, that like, wow, it's a good thing. You you, you really find out if you chose right or not by by moments like these. Because yeah. I don't get tired of her. We laugh like crazy. We the world's falling apart, but we our relationship's only getting stronger. So it's uh that's my advice. Find your best friend, and don't be afraid to commit to that. Because if it's real, it's going to last forever.
1: Oh, oh that's I love beautiful. that. I love amazing.
2: that.
0: It's definitely true. So. And you know Claire, so you know what I'm talking about.
2: Uh, yes, you guys oh. are the cutest couple. <laughs> well, thank you for amazing love advice and just great inspiration for us all. And thank you all for listening to the podcast. We have a new episode out every week. And remember to subscribe and rate and that we are brought to you by the fine people at Campfire Media. And P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms.
0: I love rom-coms.
2: Do you know what an NPE is? Yeah, that's okay. No one does. It's a non-paternal event, and it's what they call it when you do a DNA test and find out that you actually are the milkman's son, or your parents used a sperm donor, or you were adopted and no one ever told you. I'm Eve Sturgis, host of Everything's Relative, where I invite my guests to talk about DNA discoveries and how spitting into a tube has changed their lives for better or worse. Episodes are out every other Friday. Find them on Campfire Media or subscribe wherever you find your podcasts.
0: Campfire.